Hi, everybody. Welcome back. This is Joni Stahl. How is everybody doing today? Hope everybody's doing good. Well, today I feel very poignantly alive. You know, before I get started, I I want to pray. I want to put the Lord before me in this message because something is moving in my life right now. And that's him. And everything that I do, I want it to be of him. I don't want to go anywhere, do anything, say anything, think anything. I want all my motives, everything to be pure in Jesus Christ. I don't want to be found wanting at his coming. Neither do you. So will you pray with me? And on your own, in your own heart, invite him. And let him open your ears to this message. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for another day, another privilege that I can offer up myself unto you, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable, and pleasing in your sight. That, Lord Jesus, that you would take this blade of grass and let it reflect your glory. Let me reflect your glory. That, Lord, that everything that will come out of my mouth will come from your heart to stir up my heart to speak to, to the people, Lord. We need to hear from you, Lord. Your people are starving. They're thirsty. We need to hear the voice of God and live. And I lay my life down. I lay my life down, not only for this message, not a demonstration, but because I openly and publicly declare my faith in Jesus Christ because I am serious about serving you. And I pray everyone that watches this will agree in their own hearts for themselves to the merit of your name, that they are serious about serving you for your glory, for your power and honor and blessing. For I pray that, Lord, you will reveal yourself in this message and help me. I'm only human and I get things wrong. So let your grace rest upon me and be with my mouth as you were with the mouth of Moses. For I ask nothing short or nothing less of that, though I am by far no Moses at all. In Jesus' name, I thank you for your presence, Jesus. Amen. Okay, um, let me just get started. Okay, um, wasn't Jamie great? Wasn't it great having Jamie on and having all that fire? Man, I was so happy to have a younger brother come on and just blow the cannon. And, you know, I, you know, as when you get older, as we get older, we tend to kind of get a little bit weaker in our flesh, but something in me screams against that. I'm just going to be openly speaking to you guys today because everything in me refuses not to try to be young again. I like my age. I want to be where I'm at in Christ today. 
And yes, my heart and my flesh faileth, but God is the strength of my life, of my heart forever. He's the portion of my life. And so I put out after Jamie's that video, which was fantastic. I want to be honest with you and tell you guys, you know, um, and I think you'll agree. I mean, do you guys ever have times where you're like flowing in the spirit? You're meeting the Lord. I know this. A lot of people will struggle and say, not me. And so please, there is grace for you that are struggling in Christ right now. So please don't hear it like we're the few, we're the proud. We're not that at all. And why God chooses to flow here and flow there, I don't know. I can't speak for him, but I can speak for myself. And I can only say to you guys that I have been like really struggling spiritually, but not struggling with my faith. In fact, it's been causing me to go deeper into my faith and deeper into Christ and deeper into my meditation time with the Lord. And, and, and I've just been really in a sense, kind of like wrestling with the angel night and day, night and day. And, you know, it all started with something that I felt God, you're changing because we're supposed to grow. We're not supposed to be comfortable staying seated in the same spot, repeating the same messages. I don't know about you, but I want to grow. I want to bring forth so much fruit unto the Father. Like I wanted to explode out of this little branch. I mean, really, what are we here for? Yes, we have a human life. Yes, we have duties. Yes, we have to have things to do. Yes, there's challenges. Yes, there's trials. I can say yes to a thousand things right now because that is the earthly, common, earthly life. But I'm talking about something that I'm sensing. I kept saying, Lord, what is it? What is it, Lord? I feel like there's something more you want to teach me. And I was feeling this even before last week's two messages I put out. And I felt like, God, I don't know what it is I was building. I was tossing and turning, but it gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And then after the last videos, I said, I can't take it anymore. And next thing you know, I am tossing. I am turning. I'm like, Lord, I I can't take another minute of it. So I'm just going to be clear. I may be saying some things to you that maybe you don't want to hear, but I don't say that to be contentious or to do anything. You're always free to turn off this message anytime you like. Nothing is to hold you here. You have freedom to move about the earthly cabin. But I'm saying, I'm going to tell you what's going on. And then I'm going to let the Holy Spirit build up to what he wants me to say. So, you know, I... I tossed and turned. This was night before last. And I tossed and I turned like it was two nights in a row. And I was like, okay, I'm done. I I need to just stay awake because I kept going. No, let me go back to sleep. I just need to go back to sleep. But I said, no, you know what? I laid awake and I said, Jesus, is there somebody you want me to pray for? Nothing. Jesus, is there something? Is there, is there a place? Is there, is there an event? Is there something about to happen? Is there anything you want me to pray for right now? Silence. So then I lay in bed and I thought, I'm not, I'm not just going to try to go back to sleep anymore. It's torture because I feel like forcing myself to go back to sleep is against the Holy Spirit. Like I felt everything in me going, 
No, you're not. You're staying awake. I don't care if you lay awake with your eyeballs popped open or staring into the abyss of darkness in your room. And then I started to think about that recent thing that happened at the Capitol. That repentance rally just popped into my head. I didn't purposely go, let me see if I can drum up a thought. It just came into my head. And I'm going to be honest with you. And it's just me. Please understand it is just me. But when I, somebody said, Joan, you got to watch this. Okay. I watched it, but I didn't watch the whole thing. I watched bits and parts of it with an open heart. I'm like, okay. I'll be honest with you. I felt zero minus zero. I felt nothing. I said, well, they have big name speakers on. They have an event. They have well-known worship leaders. Thousands of people are there to repent. So in my human, I thought, well, what's wrong with that? I mean, shouldn't we be repenting as a people? That's what I thought that day. And I was silent for the rest of the day. Because in my spirit, I felt nothing. That that doesn't mean anything else for anybody else. That was me. As soon as I started thinking that, I said to the Lord, Lord, I'm sorry, but I felt nothing. Forgive me, but I felt nothing. I felt like nothing happened. And then as soon as I said that, I felt the presence of the Lord. I really did. Or I heard him within me say, you're right, nothing happened. Well, after I said that, I heard that, I fell asleep. I got up. And so I got up to pray. And I was wrestling. And I said, Lord, what, what is happening? So anyways, moving right along, I tossed and turned internally the whole day. And then um, last yesterday, um, oh, and then I, I felt... Before I went to sleep, I said, well, Lord, I'm going to go ahead and go to sleep. And then I heard the Lord say to me, I want you to watch this documentary one more time. And it was on the church in Iran. Now, I had watched it a long time ago. We spoke about it. I spoke about it here months ago. And it's not like I forgot about it. But you know how it is. You watch a movie and then set it aside because so much is constantly going on around us as a people. Well, then... I thought to myself, oh, yeah, that's right. Okay. So I went to sleep. So the next day I got up and I prayed and I said, Lord, something rose up in me, you guys, where I started marching around. I'm tired. Like I got up and I said, I feel so alive. I feel like I'm churning. I said, there's something. This is before I even watched that. And I said, Lord, I said, what is happening? What is happening? I said, I can't speak for any other person. But I know within myself, you're moving within me. And that somehow, whether it's me or there's other people that can say, Joan, I feel that way. It's not about that. Everybody has to answer for themselves. Answer for yourself. Be independent. Take it to the Lord in prayer. I'm only sharing with you what happened. And I struggled with saying what I heard from the Lord because I know I heard it. 
You know, some people might argue and go, well, I believe that God heard it. Well, fine. If that's what you want to believe, I'm not here to contend with you. I'm not here to contend with flesh. My my battle, it says, you know, although we walk in the flesh, we don't war after the flesh. My, my war is not with you. My war is against the enemy. We're brothers and sisters. We're to love one another, even if we don't agree with each other. We are, we are commanded to love with love one another. So I love you, even if you disagree. But let me not get caught, my foot caught in that, because I don't like to backpedal like I used to anymore. Just get to the point. So I I said, Lord, I believe there's something more you want me to see and know. So, um, you know, I I watched that movie. And it's a two-hour movie. I watched it two times in a row. I have literally watched that movie 10 hours, that documentary. And you know what? I thought to myself, God wanted me to show me one more time. And what also I have been doing, you guys, is I've been investing, listening. And I don't really listen to anybody anymore. And it's not because I think I'm above anybody or anything. I just personally do my own studies. And maybe once in a while, somebody sends something to me, I'll listen to it. But I'm not ever led to. But I've been listening to every single Jackie Pullinger video. So God has had me listening to every Jackie Pullinger video and every and watching and again, looking at Sheep Among Wolves, volume two documentary. And now I was left with now what, Lord? Here I am. Yes, I I, I believe you're showing me that this is what you want, but I'm in a desert. I am in a desert. United States is a desert. It's like me trying to water the Sahara Desert with a garden hose. This entire nation is, it's like every sheep to his own way. We, we, we look at this nation as we're a Christian nation. And I say there are Christians in it, but this is not a Christian nation. And God knows who's his, Right. And we make up, we co- it's people, lively stones that comprise up. It's not a building. It, the people are the structure. The lively stones are a structure. It says here in 1 Peter 2, 5 through 9, ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house, an holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Christ Jesus. Are our sacrifices acceptable to him? Because so many people sacrifice different things, different doctrines, different theological sacrifices. But are, I mean, are we those lively stones? Because you see, we got all the hallelujahs down. We got all the theologies down. We have all the theologies of uh, salvation, uh, you know, of you know, of all the things that we have studied as Christians and we're so full of knowledge. We are the most full of knowledge people. We have seminaries, we have all these things, but look what happened. It has done nothing. Satan was right when he said, if you eat of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, your eyes will be opened. You will become as God's. And so we have all these people who are expert in religious studies and religious sciences. And yet while everybody's battling it out and shop talking and disagreeing with each other, 
we have neighbors, a neighbor, and I'm not talking about the person you live next door to. You may live in a place where you have no neighbors. That is not what I mean. But God is making it so clear to me. I'm going to pause that there for a second. You know, I was looking at this scripture where no oxen are, the crib is clean, but much increase is by the strength of an ox. You see, everybody's crib is really clean. But we need an ox to do the work. Because if we truly love Jesus Christ, we're not going to hang everything, our entire life, our entire walk. Do you really want to entrust your entire walk in one man that preaches the gospel? No offense to you if you're a pastor and you're watching this. God bless you for what you're doing. But people need to rely 100% on Jesus Christ for their growth. The, the model of a message being preached one hour or half an hour a week is not going to work. Do you want to hang your entire believing existence on a man or a woman who's teaching? And God bless them. But I don't. I want, I want to fix my eyes. We're called to fix our eyes on Jesus Christ. Because when your heart is as my heart is fixed, O Lord, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise unto thy name. So when your eyes are fixed, your ears are fixed. Your heart is fixed. You know what that means? In Hebrew understanding, it, it, that means a gem set in its stone, the stone set in its uh you know the word I'm trying to say. And it's setting. So what are what is your heart set on? See, because right now our hearts are what direct our steps in Christ. It says where no oxen are, the crib is clean, but much increases by the strength of an ox. And let me tell you something. I can't share everything I know because I was told not to share this. And I'm sorry. I know people go, then why bring it up? Because I'm going to say this. And I believe most of you know that where our nation is heading, that all this showing up at the Capitol and bending our knee with the phallus symbol behind them, it's too late. It's too late. I believe it is individual repenting now. Because you see, there's people that are nar and they believe in winning over the seven mountain mandate, bringing it to pass causing all nations to come to know Jesus Christ, starting from the government, and then Christ can come. But what about people that believe this or people that believe that? Look, Jesus Christ is coming again. Mark my words, he is coming again. There are little children dreaming dreams. Old men are dreaming dreams. God has never spoken more than he has ever spoken before. And the model that the church has now failed. It is epically failed. And I don't mind saying it. I believe God wants everybody, every single person to take what they have and use the Ephesians 4 model. I'm going to look at Ephesians 4. You're welcome to join me in that. 
But I'm going to hit up Ephesians 4 right now. And it says here, um, uh, gosh, I should have had this uh, ready. It says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. We're all called with a vocation. With all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. But here's the key verse. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. You know, he goes down. You can work the rest of it, uh, read the rest of it. You know, it says he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come into the unity of the faith of the knowledge of the son of God and to a perfect man under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Jesus Christ. But the verse said, but to every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. So Paul is saying that that same grace that is upon was upon him is upon you and me. That, yes, we should meet together. I meet with people. I have fellowship that never ends. I don't go to a building because I'm a lively stone. God is building up lively stones. He says, you're also lively stones built up a spiritual house. Who is building your house? See, you're God's house. But who's building your house? Are you building your house? It says, by wisdom is a house builded. Um, by knowledge, it is established. By under by understanding, it is established. And um, I think it says, by wisdom, it's, let me go to uh, Proverbs 24. I just am going to go straight there instead of trying to memorize it. Um, but I like the building. I like to look at the building of this house. It says, by knowledge, it says, through wisdom is a house builded. By understanding, it is established. And by knowledge shall the chambers be filled with all pleasant and precious riches. Who's building your house? Are you entrusting someone else to build your house? You know what I believe? I believe God wants people that he can use. Honest people he can use. And you know what? I always, and I'm going to go back to this because when it says, but much strength increases by the strength of an ox. Listen, the model of us filing into a church, listening to a message we're at the end and things are going to start getting dicey and they're going to start getting darker and things are going to go the way that it is written. Just as it was said, it was written of Christ that you are going to go to the cross. You're going to drink that cup. And God's will was done and look at to our benefit and to his merit. It is going to get messy. But we need to work. And God wants you to work and he wants me to work. And please get this big magic eraser and erase everything out of your mind that you have been ingrained with, 
with the religious system because it's not working. Neither did it work and it's not going to work. You just try to go out. Yeah, there's people that need to hear the gospel and we're going to preach the gospel with our life. Now I'm going to go back. I want to talk about the Iranians. Okay. Because God told me, I want you to look at that again. And I started looking at that and I was thinking, okay, they have no buildings. And of course, bear with me because you're like, well, Joan, that's Iran. Well, we do have buildings, but they're on fire. They're in power. It's the largest, fastest growing church in the, in the world, along with Afghanistan. And they're under massive major persecution. You know, we think we're being persecuted if you post something in Facebook and somebody disagrees with you. You know, I get people that write stuff to me that pretty hardcore. Am I being persecuted? I don't know. Am I? I mean, I guess. But we're talking about people who say, look, they've put it into their heart. I I can walk out of that door, but I've already said to myself, I'm okay if I never return again. If I get arrested and I'm thrown in prison for 50 years, what is that to me when I go in light of eternity? I don't know what the Lord is going to do with me. And I don't know what he's going to do with you. But I'm not satisfied. I'm not. I'm not satisfied with, okay, let's open up our Bibles again. No way, man. We want a move of God. We want to hear from the Lord. And they're hearing from the Lord. I, I watched the story of this girl who said, and her face was blurred and her voice was changed. And she said when she was five years old, her father brought a businessman over. And at five years old, and that man spent the night and that man raped that girl at five years old. And from that point on, that man kept raping her all the years until she became a teenager. And then her mother found out and then her father began to beat her. And then she said the man that was supposed her father, meaning the man that was supposed to shelter me and protect me, didn't. And she sobbed. And she said, my heart became cold and I became dark. And then I started to go into heavy depression. And then I started to take 12 pills a day. Psych meds. She said, for two years, I felt nothing. Until one day I said, I don't want to live anymore. And uh, in our house, there was a, in my room, there was a hook where you hang lamps from. And so I hung a rope there. And I tied that rope around my neck. And I cried out to Jesus and I said, if you are real, show yourself to me and let me actually touch you. And I jumped. She said, I jumped. And she said for four seconds immediately, she saw herself on the shoulders of Jesus. The way she said, I always wished my father would put put me on his shoulders. And she sobbed more. And she said, and he told me, I will never leave you and I will always protect you. And you will not even so much as stumble upon a stone. And then he said the entire Psalm of Psalm 91 to me. And then I woke up, but I woke up upon my bed 
and my neck was black and I looked and the rope was on the ground. Another man said that he was living alone and he was depressed and he had no friends. He lived in an old house and the floors were made of stones that moved when you walked on them. They made a noise. He was educated. He was a Muslim, of course. He said he was even so brilliant that he can go toe-to-toe with any imam and even prove them wrong. He said, but for two whole years, he sat in darkness. And the only time he'd ever go out was for cigarettes. And he went out and he met a man. And the man became his friend. And then one day the man asked him, what's wrong with you? And he said, well, I've been depressed. And he told him his story. And the man said, well, I've had it a whole lot harder than you. And he said, what do you mean? And he said, and he began to tell me about Jesus. And he gave me a Bible. And I took that Bible home and I and I started to toss and turn. I, I didn't know what to think about it. And a part of me wrestled with that. I didn't want to look at that. But I did look at it after a while. And I read it. And one night I said to Jesus, if you are real, if you are real, then please show yourself to me. And he said that night, he heard the stones moving. Coming, the stones were moving as it got closer on the floor. As it got closer, he, Jesus was there. He said the whole room filled up with such a thick atmosphere I couldn't speak. He said, and I was free. The next day I ran to find my friend and I told him what happened. He goes, yeah, he said, that's what he does. Expect more. And that girl I told you about, she said, when I woke up, I cried and cried and cried. She said it was the first time I had cried in two years. And that's when I knew God was healing me. She goes, there, is that the answer? Did I answer correctly? Because they asked her about Jesus. And all these people, they they have a method where they go around. They're not like, I mean, they have no building. They have no denominational leanings. They have no assets. They have no seminars. They have no bank accounts. You know what they do? They give you a Bible and they tell you, It's about obedience because you see in Islam, it's all about obedience. It's strictly about obedience where you obey to the shedding of your own blood. So you see to these people, when you give them the word, they understand obedience. So they take it seriously in the way they obey the word of God in the same way that they were obedient to Islam, the men and the women. So they said, you know what we do? We give them a Bible. We tell them, open it up. We don't say, this is, this is, you know, they don't give you like, well, come to the meeting. Maybe you'll you'll hear a life-changing meeting. He said, it doesn't work that way here. We ask them, show, read the beginning. And when in the, the method that works for them is that they read the first three chapters of Genesis and they realize 
that there is a God that forgives them, that there isn't this angry, distant God that's ready to slay and destroy them. And they receive it and they embrace it because they become persuaded that he is God and that he has forgiveness for them that's real to the point where they will die for him. Because you see, their culture is a deaf culture. It didn't used to be before the Ayatollahs and the Imams. But because you see, they realized that they've been had, that they were tricked. And now, according to these men and women that run these, the underground church, it is potent. And you know what they said? We cut the hands off of Satan. You know why? Because they tell everybody it's Holy Spirit centered. They get one person to go home and tell their family. And then next thing you know, they begin to start. They tell them, pray, pray. God wants you to pray about this and pray about that. They'll tell them what to pray, what Jesus says, to, uh, how to pray. And then they begin to pray with another. And the whole thing begins another underground pocket church. So it's decentralized. And that way it's spreading like a fire along the ground. And there is nothing the enemy can do. And all the people like that have come to Christ were people that the prostitutes are leading the prostitutes to Christ. The ex-drug dealers are leading ex-drug dealers to Christ. The meth cookers and the meth dealers are leading other meth cookers and meth dealers to Jesus Christ. God is using people. It's not about, well, clean yourself up first. Stay in our church for a while. Let us get to know who you are. Let us get to know what you're about. No way. They say, they make disciples. See, we make converts here, and then we make them disciples. He said, we don't waste any time. We get them to become disciples right away, and then they become converts because, you see, converts will run away from from persecution, but disciples will die for the Lord. And yeah, it's more radical. Yes, they have a completely different society, but this nation has been rocked to sleep in a satanic lullaby because this nation is asleep. It has an appearance that it's alive, but everybody Look at the hatred among the brethren. Look at, I mean, it's like, it's a war. It's war among the saints, not war of the saints. And I can only speak for myself. And I'm like, Lord, you know what? I don't have any more time. I can, if I stand alone in my life, and I know this is personal, I'm just setting it up. I said, I'll stand alone. I'll stand alone. Because you know why? The way the gospel structure is is it's a standalone thing that you can do you don't have to be given permission you don't have to flip a page open and say well these are my credentials let me get my little credential thing out of my wallet you know who qualifies you the holy spirit you know i as far as i remember i remember the lord using me right away when i didn't know anything i just remember every time i grow a little bit the Lord would put somebody in my path and that's how it's done. That's how it's done. I want to talk about something. You see, 
there's something that happened in our nation. You know, it says, and I'm going to use a scripture from Proverbs 22, 28. It says, remove not the ancient landmark, which thy fathers have set. How many of you have read that? Now we know what are ancient, we know what landmarks are, right? This is our field. This is our boundaries. This, you know, and what it's for is to mark out territory, right? I want you to hear what Gill's exposition says about it. He says, remove not the ancient landmark which thy fathers have set or the ancient border or boundary by which lands, estates, and inheritances were marked, bounded, and distinguished, set by ancestors in agreement with their neighbors, which to remove was contrary to a law and a curse is denounced upon those that did it. Deuteronomy 19.14, and was always reckoned a very heinous crime in early times. So we see here in Deuteronomy 27.17, it says, Cursed be he that removeth his neighbor's landmark, and all the people shall say, Amen. Job 42.2, men move boundary stones, they pasture stolen flocks. Proverbs 15.25, The Lord tears down the house of the proud, but he protects the boundaries of the widow. Proverbs 22, 28. Do not move an ancient boundary stone, which your fathers have set. Hosea 5, 10. The princes of Judah are like those who move boundary stones. I will pour out my fury upon them like water. You know how how I see it? We as a people have moved the ancient boundary stones. We have moved the ancient boundary stone. You know what the ancient boundary stone is? This. This is the ancient boundary stone. And in it, we are the lively stones. And we have opened up our nation. It's not a, people say, well, this is a Christian nation. I don't think this has really ever been a Christian nation. I believe there's Christians in the nation. Just like there's Christians in every nation on the planet. It doesn't make it a Christian nation. But we have moved the boundary. We have allowed. I mean, we've allowed. We took Jesus out. We removed out of the schools. We took prayer out of schools. Right? You can't even talk about God anymore. We've removed those boundary stones. We've made it legal for gay marriage, we removed that boundary stone, that ancient boundary stone. Now you see it's legal everywhere to smoke pot. Pharmacaea, the boundary stones have been removed. We see witchcraft in the highest places. I can go on, but I'm not. And because as a nation, we have removed the ancient boundary stones, we have let crime come in. And that is what happens when you move the ancient boundary stones. You allow the enemy to come in. Next thing you know, you're agreeing with the people that come in and we begin to mix with them. Because you know what happened? The church is no different what the Israel was at the end in Malachi. So what am I saying? 
I say, I just get this image in my mind I keep seeing. You know, when they had that thing called the return, and again, this is not to insult you or offend you. If it is, please forgive me. It's not intentional. This is me. But you know, when they advertise for that show, that, that repentance thing, the return, the advertisement had the phallus symbol in the center of it. That phallus symbol, it goes all the way back to Egyptian occult. Something Freemasons love. And some people might say, well, we're in the midst of it and we're standing right there. We're showing everybody what we mean. You know what? You could do it right where you live. I don't need to take a flight to Washington to stand up and cry aloud from my heart. Because everything in me says, Lord, when I was laying in bed that day, I said, I felt nothing. And I heard God say, I said, Lord, it's like nothing happened. And I heard him say, you're right. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. You know, you have to take this to the Lord on your own. You can take or leave everything I'm saying. It's not going to affect me. I won't even get my feelings hurt. But I have to, I have to answer to the Lord. And I say to myself, I am so on fire. And I think, you know what? I truly believe God is sick of religion. He is sick of religion. You know, I saw an interesting, I'm in the book of Deuteronomy during devotions. And I saw this uh, and it was very interesting. And it was in the curses, blessings and curses. Listen to this. It's Deuteronomy chapter 28. Verse 58 through 61. If thou will not observe to do all the words of this law that are written in this book, that thou mayest fear this glorious and fearful name, the Lord thy God, then the Lord will make thy plagues wonderful and the plagues of thy seed, even great plagues and of long continuous and sore sicknesses and of long continuous. Moreover, he will bring upon thee all the diseases of Egypt, which thou was afraid of, and they shall cleave unto thee. And every sickness and every plague, which is not written in the book of this law, them will the Lord bring upon thee until thou be destroyed. You know, some people will say, well, that's not a message of hope, Joan. Listen, Jesus said, think not that I came to bring peace to the this earth, See, because in this nation and in all these civilized nations, let's say Europe and America, look at the condition that Europe and America is in right now. And why is the power flowing in South America? Why is the power flowing in Iran and Afghanistan under massive persecution? You know why? Because persecution, according to what these people were saying, and they are right, they said, because persecution keeps you pure and it keeps you clean. And you might be saying, well, I don't want to be persecuted. I think there's other ways we can be clean. You know what? There's something about suffering that we have missed, I think. And maybe most of you have suffered. I've suffered and we haven't suffered like them, but I'm listening to them. I'm looking over there because as far as I'm concerned, this is a desert. This is a desert. And, you know, there's this whole, well, forsake not the assembly. Is that what we've come down to? 
where we have these like we could shave off, we could whittle off a piece of that off of like a log of uh, Christianese. Well, you know, you shouldn't forsake the assembling. It's like I want to shake that out of everybody and say, wake up and come alive in Christ. Wake up and come alive in Christ. Do what Paul said, that grace that is upon me, let it, it's upon you. Walk worthy in the vocation wherewith you're called. You know, and so we're so ingrained, we think, well, I don't know. I I feel like, you know, that we, we need to do that because it's so ingrained that we think we have to be doing what we think we should be doing. Like we need to go here on Sunday. We need to go there on Wednesday. But what about the middle of the week? What about daily what would happen if there was an EMP? What would happen? What What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Are you going to put everything on one person to tell you what Jesus says? Do you have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches right now? Because right now, never before in history, Never before in history have I ever, ever in my life and how I've seen it since this was written, which took a long time for it to be written, thousands of years. But God is speaking. He's speaking to you. He's speaking to children. He's showing little children who have zero knowledge of what's coming. Zero knowledge of what tribulation looks like. And they're saying, I saw this happen last night and I saw that. And their parents are in awe. You know why God is using children? Because everybody, adults mostly, are so calloused. They are closed off to the moving of the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you. I don't even know where this is going to go. But I'm I'm pressing in because let me say something. Something I love that was said in uh, one of the movies I was watching. And he said, um, he said, um, the people that are coming to Christ in Iran, everybody's messed up. They're traumatized from being raped and being beaten and imprisoned. Honor killings and all this hell that they have been going through as a people for the last 40 years. So they've been traumatized. They're PTSD'd out. And yet these are the ones that are here. You know why? To the poor, the gospel is preached. You know why? Because they may not understand a word you are saying that's being said to them about this or about that. But they're not dumb. They're just wounded. They're just traumatized, but it doesn't mean they're dumb. And they hear spiritually. <clears throat> they hear spiritually. And they perceive it. And God is already moving so fast. One of them said, Jesus is way ahead of us. When we come to people and we, you know, we we ask them, you know, questions and how they're doing. And when we even get to that point where we start to talk to them about the Lord, they will already say to us, he met me in a dream. Jesus Christ is on the move. Do you want to move with him? I do. I do. I don't I told the Lord, I don't even care where you want to send me. Send me where people are listening. I'm just a blade of grass. I've got nothing to boast about. 
I'm no high knowledge person. Look at me. Look at look at where I'm at. I'm sitting at a little desk on a laptop in a tiny 600 square foot apartment. But whatever he's doing, I got to be a part of it. And I don't even know what that looks like. But God's hearing me talk about it to him. Because why should I spend any more time? I'm going to be here. Don't get me wrong. I'm committed to you guys. I will be here as long as Jesus Christ has this little green pasture going. Because like Jackie Pullinger said, when she went to Hong Kong and she had all these ideas that she was going to be a missionary and do this and that, she said before she knew it, the tiny little place that she rented in the walled village, she started to fill up with addicts that she was leading with Christ. She said, my whole house was filled up with addicts. And she said, I didn't understand, like, Lord, I came here for this. She said, but I knew I had to do it. And I have to agree with her. And I will give credit to where credit is due because now I, by the grace of God, have borrowed her saying for myself for the rest of my life. She said, if you cannot do everything, don't say you have a ministry. If you are not willing to do everything, stop saying you have a ministry. You know, there's all these specialized ministries. I don't want a specialized ministry. Neither do you. You shut. We shut ourselves off. Next thing you know, we're buffing our fingernails on our chest. Well, here, let me tell you, my. you can reach me at my ministry. It's like, what is that? I'm not putting anybody down who has a ministry. If that's what God called you to do and you do have something that you specifically do, do it with all your might and to the Lord. Don't take offense. I think a lot of this is just my own heart, how God's really speaking to me and how I'm really seeing everything. So please don't take anything that I've said to you guys today like, wow, Joan's kind of, it's like, no, I love you guys. I want you to see the Lord in his glory. I want your life to be so bountifully fruitful. I feel like I can cry. I want you to run your race. I want you to be the best that you can be for Jesus Christ. I want you to break free of the norm. I want you to break free of the ingrained way of doing things. I want you to lay down your life for Christ and not be afraid to do it. Because everything you lay down to Christ, he will pick it back up again. He wants you to give him your weakness. It's not about, well, I got to memorize. I got to read all these books. Bring him your weakness. He wants your weakness. Because in your weakness, he is revealed to be so strong. You know, it is. Jackie Pullinger's right. She said, it's all about seeing. It is. You know, remember I was saying in the book of Hebrews just a few days ago in Hebrews chapter 12, it says, for these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly 
that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country. That is a heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. You see, the first thing they did is they saw a city. They saw something else. See, if you're not seeing beyond this world, if you're not seeing into the other world, I'm not talking about some mystical experience, but by the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, if you're not seeing, if you're not getting a glimpse into eternity, you become earthly, you become bound to this earth. And next thing you know, you think you got to take a plane trip over to a location to ask for the Lord to forgive everybody. You don't need to do that. They didn't do that in the ancient of days. They didn't do that during the apostolic age. Man, they went on foot. They right where they were. They said, I'll do it right where I stand. I do it right here behind me. Right there. In this tiny little apartment. Because you know why? Because great is the glory of the Lord. Great is the power and might of Jesus Christ through a blade of grass like me. All I want to be is a blade of grass that reflects his glory and see that city, the promises afar off and being persuaded of them and embracing them and confessing with them. With that great cloud of witnesses that I can say, I am a stranger and a pilgrim in this earth. I want to rather choose to suffer the affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season and esteem the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For remember, this is I'm reading about Moses. This was him. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. See, it's all about what you're seeing. See, this is, people call this mystery Babylon. I call it Egypt. I call it Egypt. It is so Egypt to me. And maybe the mystical aspect of Babylon is here. This is Egypt. You know, I love what it says in Hebrews 13, 13 and 14. It says, let us go Let us go forth, therefore, unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. See, when you can see that other world, then you can take that gospel. And that gospel is not just Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you. I love Jackie Pullinger. She said, you know what? She goes, when I would walk down the streets of Hong Kong, I would, I would almost, she goes, it may not make any sense to you, but I would like grieve if I, if somebody, I ran into somebody who was devastatingly impoverished that I didn't have the ability to help them to just say to them, God loves you. She said, I would grieve to say God loves you. Because I would have nothing to give them. 
She said, if you love someone, love is doing. Now, of course, we're going to tell people Jesus loves them. But what is that? You know, I think uh, something, you know, well, let me finish that thought. When you tell somebody who is so destitute that Jesus loves you. Let me, let me give you an example, a personal example. When I was first early widowed, I was so devastated. I was homeless and I had nowhere to go. I mean, I slept on my friend's couch. I moved so many times. I was stripped of everything. All I had was the keys to my deceased spouse's truck and the clothes in, a, in the back of the truck. And I remember sometimes people would say to me, well, you know, Jesus loves you. And I was in such deep pain. I'm like, don't you think I know that? Don't you think I know that? You know what I needed? I needed to cry on their shoulder. I needed them to just hear me. I didn't want, well, I'll keep you in prayer. I wanted to scream when people did that to me, though I know they meant well. But you see, I experienced it. You see, those prostitutes, the prostitutes, the addicts, the traumatized, the wounded, those are the poor. And they hear differently. They hear, they hear differently. And I just see I'm one person here. And you are one person there. It's time. It's time. For each of us to go to the Lord and say, I lay it all down. I lay everything down. My old way of doing things. And I look to you now and I fix my eyes upon you. And I said, I say, Lord, because I'll tell you this in myself, you guys, and this may sound dramatic to you, but I'm being honest and real with you. I said, I, I think to myself, and this is just very personal, but I say to myself, to the Lord, then what, what is my point of being alive? If I cannot fully serve the Lord in the fullness of his power and in his spirit, by an oxen giving me work to do and having a mess everywhere, <laughs> a messy crib. I want to be like them. And I want to say, I already see myself in heaven. I already see myself there. So I'm not going to be afraid. That's how I feel. And that's my heart. So those people over there, I'm learning from them. I'm really learning from them. I think I've, I've said all I'm going to say. And I pray that you will take all these words to your heart. Because this nation is not special. It's not more special than Iran. It's not more special than South America. We're not more special than everybody. 
We are only lively stones. And we are the structure and the habitation of the Holy Spirit forever and ever. Amen. Shalom. God bless you. Maranatha.